Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely role players, where theatrical people play role playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, and I'm your compare for this studio production. Here on Merely Role Players, we improvise stories for your entertainment and ours, and we use role playing games to keep the story going places even we can't see coming, because as theatrical people, we're all about maximising the drama. In this production, we're playing Galactic, a belonging outside belonging game by Riley Rathol, which you can find at metagame.itch.io. So please take your seats in the studio. Tonight's production is about to begin. First Nova, a Merely Role Players studio production. Act 3 of 3. The ship Mustang Sally leaves hyperspace in the shadow of the starship Trinary Noon. This isn't a standard asteroid field, right? There's like dancing lights like the Northern Lights. We've got company. <laughs> They're just going to disintegrate the entire wreck with us in it. The central data core of the Trinary Noon awakens. Records accessed. There are remnants of the old people. Revan would be one of them. And in their memories lies the key to defeat the mandate. All of the lights go red. <laughs> oh no! And this towering hologram appears. I can only thank you for the information. The power of the space between will be mine. We may not need to go to the propaganda headquarters after all. The data they took may not be as valuable as what is in our friend's memory. It was uh, more of a red herring than we thought it might have been. (laughs) Revan. Yes? You... All your life you have... uh, served something else even since you got out you have helped always interested in helping and what what you can do to support the rest of us but Revan what do what do you want I'm uh, giving you a token by asking what desire have you been burying I am sorry, Versi, but you are mistaken. I am nothing. I am no one. Whatever this machine, your, um, her, his excellency's brother, said, I do not think it is correct. I, my life is empty. I have no memories of anything except serving my commander and the mandate and whatever might have been inside of me before. They took it. 
a long time ago. Perhaps there are others you can find, and I will help you. I owe all of you my freedom. You have given me the chance to make choices. I never had that before. But in truth, I, I do not know what I want or who I am. I can, however, ask you, how can I help you? Tell me, show me the way, and I will do everything I can. And that is a lateral move. So I can give you a token if you um, <laughs> act on, if I act on your answer. So it's just giving tokens back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> so Olwyn approaches Revan. Revan, uh, take a seat. I think it's about time we had a bit of a tete-a-tete. Listen to me. Obviously very, very glad that we got you out of... Uh, the control of those individuals. That was a, an awful, awful situation. Um, I did that myself, but thank you. Well, we provided you uh, safe passage and uh, this is and true. camaraderie. Yes, I, I apologize. Of course. Uh, however, I think what you have to realize here, Revan, is that this is bigger than you are. Okay? What's going on? The information that you hold could potentially... Put a crater in the entire operation of the mandate. Do you understand that? So I appreciate that you've got feelings, and I appreciate that you might be feeling a little overwhelmed by the situation that has been presented to you. However, the hard truth of the matter is that this is bigger than anybody in this room, and it's certainly bigger than you, my girl. We need the information that you hold to help end this tyrannical display of power and oppression. And so I hate to say this, but you're just going to have to suck it up, my girl. You're just going to have to swallow down any feelings you might have for the good of the people, the good of the galaxy. Do you understand? Yes. But, Your Excellency, I think you misinterpret the problem is not excessive feeling, is lack thereof. I don't feel anything. Usually. But no, what I mean to say is, how can I have the key or the information, as you say, when I was with the mandate for so long and all I was was a lowly bodyguard? I don't believe they would have kept me alive if I was as dangerous as you seem to think I am to them. No? You've got something of a glowing symbol on yourself. Correct? That means you're important. Oh, that... Yes. Yes, that's new. This whole time, Jody's been, like, stuck. Like, I will say for the narrative, would not have seen much of this, whatever this uh, Zorgon S sort of thing has just mm. been, like, going, I just... I don't, comes out. And here's Olwen being, frankly, really horrible <laughs> to Revan. And so we'll go... So, who the fuck do you think you are, Mr. Nobody, with no co no institution, no constituency? You're on our fucking terms now, matey. How dare you 
She came and saved our asses from whatever those things were outside. And yet here you are saying that, you know, she needs to make choices. She can make her choice. And when it, when it comes, the choice will matter. You fucking ignoramus. Yeah. Look that up in your own fucking dictionary. And I would like to (laughs) question his authority, the time of confusion or despair. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I forgot to say that, uh, Previously, my vulnerable move there was tell a hard truth in a way that hurts. So I'd like to take a token for doing that. Nice. And I think Jodie would like manoeuvre herself in front of Revan. And like, I like the idea that actually Jodie is quite short. So it's just standing up to (laughs) presumably Callahan, who's presumably quite tall. Like I Mm. I just imagine them all towering sort of thing. And it's just like a ball of fury at this point. Hands sort of like... Yeah, her face is red, uh, overalls are neon. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think Revan will like very awkwardly hug Jodie. Like, little person. Thank you. And then I'm just going to try and move things along and ask Esco. If you know how to get this information from me, please, I am yours. I I see two ways forward. We could follow our original instincts and chase the data stolen from us back to the mandate or follow this new path presented by Baldwin and this incredible ship. Both would be hard. And I think the second, I think the key to it would be the message suggested there are more of you, more who hold this legacy of what went before the mandate. If we could bring many of you together, I think it could unlock something like a criticality of memory but that would be a long, hard process unless there's some sort of shortcut. Oi, computer. Hello. All these relatives, I guess, um, of uh, of our ribbon here. Do you happen to know where any of them are? You had all those blinky red lights of the mandate. Got anything in your systems about old pastime people? I'm sorry, I cannot process your request. Please use simpler terms. Perhaps, uh, perhaps we do not have to physically bring them together. My studies have not brought me much knowledge of the mysteries of the space between, but I understand it is, a, it is formed of the connections between people. Perhaps we could reach out through it and network the survivors. Sounds like a plan. Then what would we do when we had everybody together? I suppose that would depend on what information is revealed to us by unlocking this memory, but the mandate depends on the myth that they conquered evil to rule the galaxy. If we can prove, if perhaps we could unlock these memories and distribute them through the space between. Perhaps we could undermine that lie across the galaxy. 
communicate directly into the ears of every member of the of the society in the galaxies. Correct. Yes, a, sh- a shared consciousness for only a moment, but that information that could be uploaded into people's minds, well, such such a technique would would be incredible, but it would be so powerful. And if you felt falling into the wrong hands, why the mandate would be able to well easily rewrite what people believe in a second, like overwriting a, a like a word document. Jody, it would it, it would be propaganda on a mass scale, larger than anything uh, that we've seen before. Perhaps the mandate made a mistake. It is not the information held in this ship that matters. It is the ship. It is the energy field, this place. This is the center. Maybe it is not the content of the message. It is how it is distributed that matters. I would quickly like to make a mandate move. <laughs> no! <laughs> no, no! It was all going so well! <laughs> no! no! Just while we went it out, there's got to be threat. Yep. So uh, yep. I, I'm going to put someone... Is, yeah, immediate danger. So what has... I'm going to give the token um, to... Oh, everyone's got so many tokens. <laughs> I'm going to have the token. I am in immediate danger. <laughs> Do it. So the, the shield that had got up had, was indeed able to uh, to slow them down, but suddenly while we are chatting, there is a huge rumble and everything shaken. And clearly, the um, whatever big big scary guns on that ship outside is starting to have a, quite a serious impact on the the ship. Val, who has very much feeling out of his depth with all this strange big words and computers and things that is a life a long way away from simple old fly ship shoot gun um <laughs> sees an opportunity so okay you are let me get this straight you plan to do some sort of woo woo here and uh, tell everybody in the galaxy some stuff and people outside don't want that to happen right i cannot help you here what i can do is keep those people outside distracted so they don't blast this ship into a million pieces before you manage to do it. So um, you do what you got to do, and I'm going to go and start a fight I can't win. <laughs> um, which is uh, a... One of my moves. <laughs> Literally start a fight I cannot win. <laughs> oh, um, no. So while you're doing whatever you are doing... Val is going to race back to Mustang Sally, give it a bit of a kick in the thrusters and propel it out into space and do whatever the space battle equivalent of, hey, hey, you look over here. Over here. Is. Over here. <laughs> over here. Don't look, look over me. there. Yeah. Look at me. And um, <laughs> just fly, just and just buzz around it and fire at it fairly ineffectually and give you all the opportunity to do whatever clever things um, you need to do to to get that out of the galaxy. Uh, as Val runs off to uh, start up the Mustang Sally, uh, that sparks something in Esco, and he turns to Jody. Jody, mm. this ship is ancient and broken and derelict and drifting. Can you fly it? 
you betcha I can. <laughs> swivels <laughs> round in, uh, it's apparently in a chair right now, swivels <laughs> round and starts <laughs> mashing anything. Which um, I will, if you're, if you're making me, if you're allowing me to do so, I will manoeuvre an unfamiliar vehicle without trouble. <laughs> so as, uh, and I'll spend a, a strong move to do that. And as I start, like, almost like uh, playing an organ, uh, the music starts coming on. I, oh, I'll have the helmet on, won't I? So again, classical music comes <laughs> through the low five beats as the ship starts slowly coming into life. Um, and maybe, like, rather than moving under thrust is kind of like uh using the weird energies of this part of space to almost like i don't know generate fields that pull it along oh yeah mm. like sort of and i also like the idea that this the big glyph at the back is like we are now in motion make sure you're wearing seatbelts a door is open oh and lots of things are open oh my <laughs> it's just alert notifications as jody's like yeah fine slam something down it goes silent <laughs> please be aware there is no atmosphere on most of the ship <laughs> does the voice start to do the um the cabin crew safety announcement please make sure you are seated and your seatbelts are securely fastened yeah absolutely be like welcome to whatever this ship's called <laughs> have a pleasant flight <laughs> thousand percent Josh do you want to take it away and set the scene for uh, Val's fight against the mandate there is uh, the largest of the war spaceships standing proudly on the bridge of which is uh, Mallory Callahan. oh no oh no <laughs> and just as uh, Val's ship comes into view dispensing from the hull underneath the giant spaceship the behemoth fly a load of tiny tie fighter-esque spaceships which begin to fly in the direction of val uh, they still have to fly through asteroids and around the uh light effects and soothing aura of uh the space between uh but they are coming for you val Awesome. I am going to use a strong move and I am going to pull off an absurd stunt to take advantage of an unexpected opportunity. And and that is that they have decided to come to me in this very dangerous (laughs) asteroid field that apparently (laughs) likes us more than them. Just to save on, um, you know, the energy needed to power up my lasers, which is quite costly, and I'd rather not use that up as far as possible because, you know, a lot of the money Callahan's given me has been spent on tat that is now in my treasure trove. I, Val will just fly in his uh, own unique, shall we say, style, which is very erratic and dangerous and of a person that looks like they haven't passed their space driving test. Uh <laughs> I knew it. Yep. <laughs> I shout. Astute. I shout randomly from my ship. <laughs> it's a counterfeit. <laughs> and whatever squad came in, I mean, they're 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 only mandate pilots. They haven't got any real world piloting experience in asteroids. So uh, he's just going to like handbrake turn and drift round asteroids and go suddenly straight forward to suddenly up and just leave a de- uh, like just debris of mandate um, fighter ships scattered throughout the um, the asteroid belt and um, hop out of his chair, look over, Rusty, 
take the wheel, get us close to the uh, bridge um, lookout, would you? Bad moon rising uh, formation, I believe. I've got something that to do that I can guarantee I'm not going to shut up about for the rest of my life. <laughs> and uh, Rusty will jump into the uh, pilot seat um, and go, you don't shut up about anything anyway. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realise that uh, Rusty was from the West Midlands, by the way. I can't remember that. You didn't shut up about it anyway. <laughs> yes. Val, trusting Rusty, will uh, run off to uh, Jody's workshop and gather some supplies for a little plan he has a cooking. It definitely would be as you go into the workshop, there's like a do not enter, especially Val. Like Val (laughs) kicks down the door in a dramatic fashion. (laughs) And it's even more dramatic because it's a shoosh door. (laughs) (laughs) You kick it sideways. Yeah. It's like a roundhouse kick. Yeah. Um, uh, beaming from the Mandate warship, um, a signal, a communication signal is sent and flashing up on all of the monitors on uh, Mustang Sally, you see the severe face of Mallory Callahan, who is attempting communication. Uh, you see a, a stern, uh, older woman's face with the princess Leia Danish bun hairstyle. This is Mallory Callahan on board the Mandate warship War Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Requesting communication with Mustang Sally, uh, chief pilot. Uh, Velma Waldron. Oh, me! Sorry, no one's uh, no one's used my uh, my full name in uh, in in a while. It's it's foul to my friends, but I I guess that's why you're not using it. What can I do for you? You are commanded to stand down immediately and uh, commanded by who? Who? Sorry, who? This is Mallory Callahan on board the War Bastard. Ordering you to Should stand I know? down immediately. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I, I'm drawing a complete blank here. I, I'm so sorry. This, this very rarely happens. Mallory Cunningham, was it? You boys and your silly, silly tricks. You are a thorn in the side of the mandate. Listen to me, little boy. No, stand, sorry, you're breaking up. And I, I really don't me. have time for a date. I mean, I'm sure you're very, very, very lovely. And uh, I mean, the hair really does it for you. But, but uh, I must say, I'm just just not really in the right place, you know, emotionally for a relationship right now. I've been through a lot of stuff. There are there are these like space magic things going on. Have you seen that? And there was a big hologram. And really, I am mostly focused on killing you and all your men. And then maybe we can talk about it. Oh, no, because you'll be dead, won't you? Bye. Hang on. <laughs> I'm going to use a move from the mandate to foreshadow a larger threat and gain a token. Oh no, it's it's Mark. Mark Callahan is the bigger threat. We knew it all along. Yeah. No. You hear, even through uh, the vacuum of space, let's say, no, you don't hear, you see <laughs> through space um, large laser cannons uh, attached to the side of the war bastard, which uh, activate... And rather than pointing at you and tracking you, because of course you're far too quick, you couldn't be targeted by such a slow and yet powerful uh, laser cannon, uh, is pointing 
uh, directly at the ship on which your friends are standing. They are preparing to blast the trinary noon out of existence. Mm. Alright, lovies. It's me, Matt, your compere, wishing you all a safe journey home after this action-packed finale. Shall we take a look through the programme together while we catch our breath? First off, a reminder that you can buy Galactic, the game we're playing, at metagame.itch.io, and you can buy the playbook I'm playing, The Researcher, separately at merelymat.itch.io. If you play a researcher, I would love to hear about it, either in the comments on the Itch page or over on Twitter, where I'm at merelymj. Next, and I'm rattling through the programme because there's a lot in there today, We're now in September, and September is International Podcast Month, when podcasters the world over get together to make a whole raft of new one-off episodes. Search your usual podcast app for International Podcast Month, and you'll find brand new episodes nearly every day of September, including conversations with creators, audio drama crossovers, trailers for upcoming productions, and role-playing game actual plays like what we do here. Keep an eye out especially for the Dust Wardens role-playing game episode arriving next Tuesday the 14th, because I'm in that one. Dust Wardens is a role-playing game set in a world reshaped by a plant apocalypse, where friendship and queer love are literally magic. The Dust Wardens are magical friend groups or polycules who roam the veg-pocalypse, helping people out. In the International Podcast Month game, I'm playing Archie, a dust warden with the knack of navigating the shifting landscape of the Aplant Calypse, who travels around on a giant impossible monocycle and always tries to go around the problem instead of through it. The episode was organised, GM'd and produced by Ursula from the Queer Dungeoneers podcast, and I got to play alongside Kelly from Tabletop Tiddies and Justin Jess from the Babylon Project. And even if that doesn't sound like your thing, You should check out International Podcast Month anyway. With all of the different podcasts and people involved, you're bound to find something new and cool to get obsessed with. Next, the really big news. Possibly the biggest news since we started Merely Roleplayers four years ago. This October, we're getting back to our roots as theatrical people and putting on the first Merely Roleplayers stage show as part of the London Horror Festival. The show is called Lights Out, and it's going to be on the 24th of October in a double bill with The Scare Slam, which is a spoken word showcase that Blackshaw does every horror festival. I've thought a lot over the years about what a Merely Roll Players live show could look like, so it's both exciting and a bit terrifying to finally be putting all of that into practice. I'll be talking about this show a lot between now and the 24th of October, so I won't go into too much detail right now. I'll just say that it will be recognisably a merely role-players show, while also being created for the stage. It won't just be us recording an episode live. This is us trying something new. Tickets aren't on sale yet, but save the 24th of October and keep an eye on our Twitter and my newsletter, both linked in the programme notes, and we'll make sure you don't miss out. Related, the Scare Slam, the first half of that double bill, is open to submissions at the moment. If you've got a story, a poem, a monologue or similar that you want to perform for a horror festival type audience, 
follow the link in the program notes to Blackshaw's website to get your submission in. All pieces need to work without tech, be no more than eight minutes long, be your own work, and chill the audience to the bone. Within those rules, anything goes, so go have fun. Final announcement before we get back to our finale. Next week's episode will be the usual backstage post-show discussion of the first Nova. Then the following week, we're closing the studio and reopening the main house for Vigil, Bad Dog. This is going to be the first Vigil production with returning main characters. Alexander Pankhurst returns as Graham, the demon accountant. Ellie Pitkin as Persephone Byron, the time-travelling Victorian martial artist. Natalie Winter as Gwyneth, the disgraced former shield maiden of the Morrigan. And Josh Yard, our own Olwyn Callahan XVI, as Ginny Greenteeth, the much-reincarnated wise woman and swindler of tourists. So stay tuned to find out how this very magical group of concerned citizens handles the latest threat to the little town of Sheridan. Still with me? Okay, I'm going to go call beginners for this next scene so we can get back to our big finale. Meanwhile, let me just point you to this ad in the program for What Am I Rolling? The voice in the trailer should be familiar because it's Fiona, our guest player for this production. If you haven't already, follow Fiona from the first Nova over to What Am I Rolling for more great role-playing game adventures. Then, please take your seats once again for the conclusion of the first Nova. Hey, listen. Do you know your D8s from your D12s? Do you know your modifiers from your bonuses? Do you know your destiny points from your story points? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Either way, you should check out What Am I Rolling? A twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. Catch up on previous episodes on the What Am I Rolling website. That's www.wairpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, adventurers need not apply. Val is still uh, frantically tinkering, and will hop on the comms and go... I don't think they're paying enough attention to me. Um, Ten minutes or so, they probably will again, but whatever you're doing down there, do it quick. Should we do Jody and Alwyn? Standing in awkward silence, post-argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. It's getting a little It's a little trickier, because again, it's such a big console. Jody's having to reach over to hit things, so I guess Alwyn's right next to her, so she just leans over him and like, Mm-hmm. Just trying to. Sorry, just uh, wanting to patch through the, uh, the communications uh, channel here. Rather avant-garde, you might say. <laughs> you, uh, that was rather fiery. Did you know that? Know what? You standing in front of a Revan there. It was uh, rather impressive. The way you stood up to me. Okay, it was in the face of reason, but uh, it was very, very. Impressive. It's almost caustic. Such charisma. Have you ever considered a career in politics, Jodie? <laughs> I did. But they said I couldn't handle the paperwork. 
And a blip, <laughs> huge big, and I, I guess we shuffle forward a little bit with like a little bit, but it, it is uncomely this sort of maneuver. Well, perhaps we'll consider this if we survive, and if we manage to get, uh, we manage to get our message out. Yeah. Perhaps we could talk more. Alwyn, can I say something in layman's terms? Please, I'm not very good at listening, as I'm normally the one that's talking, but I will uh, grant you silence. Great. Shut up. Sit down, put your seatbelt on. He does so, straight away. <laughs> and I will spend my strong move, uh, which is to take lead in a moment of confusion or despair. I think Jodie's despairing, because <laughs> she's <laughs> left with Alwyn. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, like she's getting the ship to move, but it is, it is incredibly slow and trying to manoeuvre it through the asteroid field. It's going to take some time, and obviously hearing what's happening, like Val patching through and stuff, so I think that is sort of what's going on in the background. Esco leads Revan deeper, deeper into the Trinary Noon, away from this databank that we've all been hanging out in, to this cavernous space between focus and meditation chamber. As you go down towards this chamber, the lights are starting to blink on, even more so now. This whole thing about the space between, we've talked about it as a sort of um, Aurora Borealis type thing. I think even in the ship now, it's just started to light that way. And in fact, thinking about it, this whole ship is almost being powered by the space between. The idea that the, uh, I keep saying Zorgon, the glyph <laughs> character was powered by it and everything is infused with this magic because it's been here so long, it has actually just become a part of the space between. Yeah, it's that whole energy field, whatever whatever mysterious thing the space between really is, it's claimed the ship and made it its own. I, I like the idea that while this is going on and while it's like like the ship that was like shattered into pieces has just slowly almost imperceptibly started just to move back <gasps> into shape like that power that it's infused is just bringing it all back together just Mending like it. little holes cool. that were there have suddenly gone maybe the the gap that the um that our ship flew in through no longer exists and I mean, if this space between effect is getting denser and and brighter, then Esco's seeing his mentor round every corner, almost like echoes, like echoes of echoes. That sort of yeah, I can't remember. Like, is it that eighties sort of like way of moving across where it sort of it yeah sort of leads behind? Yeah, Absolutely. leaves like um yeah. And there's a kind of um, like a plinth or a focus spot at the very centre of this chamber where the the vision still facing away, stops and just sort of beckons and then disappears. And Esco is very torn between the incredible historical significance and and mystery of this place and the urgency of needing to make it do something. Uh, Revan's um, had this uh, somewhat uncomfortable cold sweat uh, going on for a hot minute. Like they're standing on the precipice of something terrifying and exciting. And and there's a lot of actual emotional stuff going on that they cannot, they're not equipped to handle. So it's like being drunk and high and very happy and very depressed all at once. Um, so just trying to like breathe, you know, put a foot in front of the other follow Esco and, and try to sort of just keep a, keep it together. Just keep it together. 
<laughs> for as long as you can and very much looking to him um you know wide-eyed like what now <laughs> what do we do and they, so these glyphs are all over the uh, keep recurring and appearing on the walls and the bulkheads everywhere we've been in the ship mm-hmm. and i think there is a, a a real density of them in this room and esco having not been on the ship for all that long but with a a, a scholar's eye has started working out how to interpret them and seeing that actually it's a kind of um it's almost like like murals that have been uh, created all over the surfaces in this place so it's it's less like written language and more like uh, more like ikea instructions <laughs> that, that sort of model what what it is that you're supposed to do and they all point towards placing somebody on this on this central plinth Esco actually gets up on the plinth first and offers one of his four hands to Revan to help them up onto the plinth. And Revan takes the hand, goes up. It's there's almost like a not like a notification noise, <laughs> but sort of like <laughs> uh, and Ding. things start to happen. And I think uh, if Revan is okay with it, starts to float. Actually, both of you, I guess, would start to float, almost like. Um, Charlie at the Chocolate Factory, but obviously not as much <laughs> no cooler party. than that. Obviously <laughs> lifting juice. Um, but start sort of burping. Fl- <laughs> get higher, get lower. Um, but you start to float like that and start to move around. And as you move around, these glyphs start to like appear, shine brighter in places and start to make almost like connections, like constellations around you, around you both, I would say. But it's, it's only as soon as Reverend gets onto the platform. I like that if that it's it's lifting us up to the exact center of the chamber and maybe the exact center of the ship. Exactly. Mm. And Esco puts a hand on each of Revan's shoulders and and takes both of Revan's hands uh, with his with his lower two hands and looks in Revan's eyes and says, "Revan, my friend, this incredible ancient ship." knows you it responds to you when i stepped up nothing happened when you stepped up everything began to happen revan you've been told all your life that you're insignificant and part of a machine and only made to serve but you're not you have a great purpose you are special and I'm using a strong move to present convincing evidence of a flaw in somebody's worldview. I think Revan just makes the choice to surrender to whatever this is. And they close their eyes and they just open their mind. Almost like in the darkness of their mind, shapes begin to appear, this vague, ghostly shapes they don't know if it's people. It could be like little galaxies or stars or, you know, it's it's kind of trippy. But then almost as soon as that happens, we get like flashback after flashback of her past. Every abuse, every lesson, hard learned lesson, every sacrifice, every horrific thing they had to witness. And it's just every time... They, you know, they take a step forward. It's like they're pounding them down, and it's this battle of forces happening inside of them. And I'm going to take a lateral move, and 
uh, ask the question of who or what is really in control here. And it's just going to be a fight between the space in between and mandate. I don't want to say mm-hmm. programming, but you know what I mean? Mandate yeah. Um, indoctrination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Physically, probably Esco can tell there's shaking, there's sweating, there's genuine like muscles contracting. A whole lot of very unpleasant things are going on. I think some of these images in Revan's mind are leaking out into the the aurora light filling oh. this chamber as well. So Esco mm. can see some of them. Yeah, I think f- for what this is and how it works, I believe that maybe what's in their, in whatever, whoever is on this plinth, their mind stuff probably comes out in a visual way or, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's like projected out because obviously you'd need to be able to see it and interpret it after much internal battle, which is not as exciting narrated by me, but there you go. Um, I'm going to spend a token because I've got quite a few to triumph over someone or something which once oppressed you. And Revan is going to break through sheer force of will that last um, shackle the mandate had over them and go, I'm in control. Me. And just explode <laughs> somehow <laughs> this is like a big like explosion of light um so i guess the space between gets one token and i get to spend one token as you say i am in control you hear almost like a thousand voices saying i am in control i am in control and then it sort of comes to a point where it says we are in control we are in control we are control and it just sort of echoes and almost like a ripple out from the ship using the asteroid field. And everyone in that area definitely feels it. Meanwhile. Yeah. Val has, has felt that uh, as well. And so it's like, okay, it's a stretch and over time to finish this. He had instructed uh, Rusty to perform the bad moon rising <laughs> maneuver which is very slowly rising up out of view into the view of your foe. So a small thing is going to rise up into the view of the, um, I guess, viewing platform for the bridge where Mallory and all the senior officers are. And as Mustang Sally rises up, Val has gotten out of the ship and has stood on the top of it. Uh, <laughs> so you first see Val <laughs> rise oh up. Oh, my God. With yeah, coat floating <laughs> in it. zero G. Uh, just as he um, locks <laughs> no, eyes with no those, he's just got a no t-shirt, <laughs> just braces. Go, <laughs> reach in, pull out a blaster, and kind of just very lazily point it at uh, the sneering faces in the cockpit, and just uh, open a channel to the cockpit. You know, I uh, met a few of your friends, and we discovered this very interesting little thing attached to their back. Piers the mandate don't like it when people um, go off the rails and installed a, shall, shall we call it a fail safe? Yes. Well, I uh, borrowed one. And I will oh. use my strong move to reveal that I stole something earlier. Nice. Yes. Yes. And I tell you what, you don't fly around with the smartest person in the galaxy and not pick up a trick or two. 
And the white thing now has lots of weird little wires come out of it and just a little satellite dish sort of thing that is spinning and spinning and spinning and slowly comes down and moves down and points at the ship and goes, Ah, excellent. They do install them in the ships as well. <gasps> Bye-bye. And just point the uh, the blaster at the little white thing, pull the trigger, and that... <laughs> The the thing that he's been doing with this is setting up so when that one goes off, all the other ones in the surrounding area also go off. And uh, just as he shoots, uh, there's like a little bit of uh, a pause and Mallory gets to sneer, I guess. And he just goes, (laughs) wait for it. Power pose, massive explosion. Oh my god, it's like you turn around so you're not looking at it. <laughs> just like, that's so many explosions. And they just get all the guns like, guys, did you see that? Did you see that? Rusty's on comms saying, yes, captured in the slow motion cameras as requested. <laughs> Soundtrack added, music to blast to. <laughs> Yeah, and there's just a series of explosions throughout the war, bastard. And the last thing you hear is uh, just a communication message from Mallory saying, you're a little shit. Oh. I think Val just killed your mum. I know. I'm not doing very well in this game, am I? <laughs> yeah. Whoops. I would like to do a little dance on the top of the Mustang Sally. And if I might just take control of the mandate just for a little second, because I can't have this work perfectly, I would just like, as Val is doing his victory dance and just like pulling out his braces and looking real pleased with himself, uh, you just hear (laughs) and an entire fleet of um, mandate ships are just going to blast it and go... Oh, Rusty, it's time for us to move. So Mandate is going to uh, <laughs> foreshadow a greater threat, which is, of course, the Mandate don't just have one ship. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the fleet have arrived. Oh Are God. they really going to risk that? No, not now. They know there's been a disturbance in the space between. <laughs> oh, shoot. So uh, Val is going to uh, dive back into through the, the hatch and uh, just slam the Mustang Sally into reverse. Not even going to bother turning round, just to keep an eye on what's going on. Uh, and you just all hear through the comments like, They brought friends, they brought friends. Celebrated too soon, wasted that dance. I hope you're all done, because we got to get out of here. I think it's probably time that I send through a, uh, a little message to my little bird on the inside of the mandate, eh? Uh, yep, go for it. And I'll throw like uh, the, the big communicator, which... I'm just. I have now created like a cup on a string, essentially, for you to just like here. Yep. Go. Um, do I need to patch through to the computer first, or are we just? Is it a direct line? I. I'm the one who asks the questions, and I just flick a couple of switches. Like, yeah, straight through. Go, (laughs) operator. Uh, And I call through to my ally. I use my ability. Later on, my lateral move. Call in a favor from an ally and give them a token. I call through to uh, my man on the inside, codename Oberon. Hello. How did you get this into this channel? And uh, think before you answer, because if I don't like what you say, you're dead. Oberon, my word, what an angsty reply for an ally. Uh, it, it is it is I, His Excellency Olwyn Callahan uh, calling oh, in. Olwyn. Oh, how's my favourite low-level fashion taste challenged bloody tragedy politician? Oh, shoot. Ooh. My word, you... 
You certainly had a bit of time to be thinking that one up, didn't you, Oberon? Oh, it just came to me. <laughs> Ouch! You're stinging, but it's okay. I'm a politician. I've got a thick skin. It's nice to talk to you. I understand that my uh, my, my my follically challenged brother is part of the uh, is part of the revolution now. I wanted you to pass on a message, and I'd like to call in the favour that you owe me, Oberon, old boy. Uh, being the blunt mercenary that you are, I was hoping that you'd be able to send uh, the cavalry. Uh, our current location, I'm just patching through to you now, the uh, tri- Trinary Noon spaceship. Uh, we are currently coming under heavy fire from uh, those nasties uh, in the mandate and could really do with some assistance. Are you quite done? I, I am, but if you could just uh, if you could just speed up the response, that would be uh, greatly appreciated. Uh. I must say, Olwyn, I always had you down as a spineless little shit with the backbone of a chocolate eclair, but I have to say I am kind of impressed, slightly turned on, and somewhat irritated, but in the spirit of our relationship and acknowledging that I do, in fact, owe you a favor, I will relay your message to your brother, theoretically assuming that he was part of this liberation and I had access to him, which of course I will deny if anyone asks. I will say, however, if you want any extra help, I might be interested in uh, some of your uh, knickknacks. So we'll converse further if you don't die. Ta-ta. Goodbye for now and continue to vote vote. They've already cut the call. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realise Oberon was quite as sassy as that, but that's always always good to know. You just see Jodie smirking because she's listened in on the entire conversation through the comments. Val, uh, just how many ships are out there? Uh, Lost ships. There's a lot of ships. There's a shit ton of ships. They've got all the ships. All the ships. They're... Uh. Just a lot of ships. Well, let's just hope that my contact on the inside has some sort of uh, portal or uh, wormhole close to hand that they'll be able to send the fleet through. Otherwise, we might just have to, uh, well, get blown to pieces, I guess. Well, I'm just landing in this strangely well-put-together hangar that I didn't see before. So, I guess soon I'll, um, I'll, I'll meet you in the cockpit. Yeah, get to the bridge. Double, yep. double, double time. My way. I think everybody has has just come into the the bridge and are frantically trying to work out the best way how to maneuver a giant spaceship out of uh, an asteroid field. Um, and Val can kind of uh, rock up and see everybody trying to be far too analytical and sensible in the way. He's just going to sidle up to Revelio. You've um, you know. Got a better idea of what all these symbol means, right? Symbols mean, right? And Revan is like, <sighs> okay, yeah, yeah, you've had a time. For <laughs> if you could just, if if one of these in a one. normal ship, oh yes, Percy, he can. Oh my god, he can. I think I'm going to pass out, and <laughs> kind of like passes out. Oh, <laughs> briefly passes out. <laughs> no, um, Esco, I think, I think I understand now. Um, I can talk to the network. You can translate. 
send the information to Jody. Jody, you can liaise with the ship, and then we can get the hell out of Dodge. Yes, I think that should work. How's, is, is everyone okay? What's happening? That sounds like a wonderful plan. If you could do all that and just ask, um, I guess we just need to know which one the, the throttle is. Yes, let's just get out of here and we'll have all the time in the world to assess all the new things that we've learned. I think Val is just going to kind of look down and look at the for the biggest button and go, probably this one. And just hit it. <laughs> and as you hit it, Jodie's like, oh yeah, this one too. And uses a strong move to get you or someone else out of harm's way. <laughs> so we both do it at the same like, time. <laughs> yeah. Did Jodie notice the, the, the label that said self-destruct sequence that Val yeah, was about I, to yeah. press? <laughs> Redo. I grab Val's hand and no. shift it and we both hit the the uh, the, warp, the black alert warp button. And, <laughs> and we shove through time and space. <laughs> It'd be really nice if the ship had like um well again we're stealing from the other galaxy far far away but you know when you move in time and space so suddenly there's like a you have like a like an energy wave sort of situation i think it's like expansion and then contraction really really quick from the where the ship used to be yeah and maybe a few of those mandate uh <gasps> ships that came to to, to deal with us, maybe got caught in uh, the little explosion and went uh, bye-bye. Yeah, definitely. Pulled in and crunched with a few of the asteroids and then thrown out yes. again. Yes. Nice. And maybe at the same time, that is also when the Liberation yes. cruisers Arrives. can't have as well. The cavalry, and suddenly yeah. it's like, ha-ha. Mopped up the survivors. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like what? In the actual? Hell. <laughs> yeah. This vulnerable old Hulk just contracts, disappears, and where it was is suddenly this incredible swarm and fleet of liberation fighters uh, ready to join the join the battle. And I think just as a lasting sort of note, as the camera sort of cuts away from this presumably big, huge like dogfight, you just see little glyphs of these things that sort of start to melt out of the air, and then pop, gone. To be continued. Dot dot dot. That's curtain. <laughs> Yay! Roll credits. Yeah. <laughs> Special <laughs> effects, <laughs> 5,000 people. <laughs> Sponsored by VW, Al <laughs> George Lucas. Levi's. Levi's. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all very much. Oh my Ooh. God. It's such a good, oh, such a good system. I, I love how it. we got out of that one. <laughs> This has been The First Nova, a studio production from Merely Roleplayers, starring Matt Boothman as Esco Triff, Josh Yard as Alwyn Callahan the 16th, and Strat as Val Waldron, guest starring Fiona Howitt as Jodie Shute, and introducing Marta Da Silva as Revan. The theme music is by Alexander Pankhurst, and the episode was edited and produced by Matt Boothman. We were playing Galactic, a role-playing game by Riley Rathal. 
You can find Galactic and many other fine games at metagame.itch.io. Merely Role Players is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on. Why am I sounding English? What's <laughs> happening? I don't understand. Sorry. Uh, I'm very confused. It's the ship mind. It's <laughs> melding with Let's yours. Let's just try a different accent <laughs> for a second here. No. Um, so, yes. No. Back to me. Oh, thank goodness. I felt very out of body there.